Oh my goodness, life is hard sometimes, isn't it? Like, unbelievable. Now, I talk about that in the podcast, but sometimes it's beyond words. You can't even describe how difficult it can really get. And, you know, listeners, yeah, you've been through some tough times, I know. Me too, me too. So has everyone. That's the human condition, I guess. There's good news in that, though. That obviously the more we go through, the more we learn from these experiences, but there are tools to manage these things. The great thing is that we can actually have these difficult times and be in these difficult circumstances in life and we can get out of them with the proper tools, right? Happiness is not about not having problems. Happiness is being able to tackle those problems and deal with them successfully. And that's why. I have Avalon on the podcast today. Yes, a therapist. Oh my goodness, and is she fantastic, okay? She works a lot with youth and young adults specializing in anxiety, how to manage anxiety, and that's what we're going to talk about on the podcast today, specific tools, what we can do to manage anxiety because, man, there's a lot of anxiety out there today, and believe me, sure, There's a lot out there to worry about. Of course there is. But how do we manage this successfully? What does anxiety actually mean? What does it mean when it keeps presenting itself to us throughout the day and through our lives? Well, this is what I'd like to talk to you about today with absolutely no ad breaks. That's right, and no sponsorships. Yes, very rare on podcasts today to have no ads or sponsors, and I would continue And I would really like to keep this podcast ad-free with your support. How do you support this podcast? How do you support Depression to Expression? Well, you just head on over to depressiontoexpression.com and what can you do? Well, the cool thing is you can wear the best merch around, okay? Go to shop.depressiontoexpression.com. All the links are at, I'm going to say it one more time, depressiontoexpression.com. Get yourself a journal, get yourself a t-shirt, ships worldwide, and then I feature you on my social channels because you're the coolest for supporting this. The other thing you can do to support this channel so we don't have to deal with the ads is for the price of a coffee a month. Yes, a month, not a day. For the price of a coffee a month, you can be a member of Depression to Expression. What does that mean? You join our live streams, our private live streams. You join our chat room. You get to listen to exclusive podcast interviews, exclusive video content. It's awesome. It's awesome. So if you'd like to do that, all the links are below, depressiontoexpression.com. And that's all I'd like to say. Here we go with Avalon in three, two, one. Avalon, thank you so much for coming on the Depression to Expression podcast. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. So I want anxiety to be the theme here of this podcast because this is something a lot of people have been dealing with in the past and of course this is a term that's coming up especially with COVID-19 and everything that's happening now what if we just you know level the playing field here what does anxiety actually mean you know it's definitely a buzzword today people are talking about it people are feeling it what is what is anxiety yeah, no, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think it is a buzzword and it's used very loosely in our conversations. Um, but really, anxiety means fear of something, right? Anxiety is you're so fearful of something 
um, that our body has a response to it. So it's a survival strategy that we come to automatically um, in, in light of a threat. So when there's a threat present, whether that's an internal threat, something we're thinking or feeling, or an external threat, we develop anxiety. So that's kind of what it is more biologically. So how does, okay, so you have a fear of something and then it's almost yeah. this defensive mechanism. So how does the body, uh, bio or physiologically, how does it respond? How does anxiety manifest for the clients you see and, and the work you've been doing for, for so long? Yeah, it can manifest in so many ways. So it can, you know, if it's in the moment, if we're, if there's a threat in front of us right away, like let's say a, a student might be so fearful of failing an exam, that would be the threat. So in the exam, the, you know, your heart might race, your mind might go blank, your palms might sweat. Um, so your body's responding to a threat, which is the test, even though it's not actually a threat in the real world. Our body can't tell the difference between the threat from a test we're about to do or being faced with a lion in the middle of the street. So our body can't actually decipher that. So what we need to do is kind of train ourselves to recognize what a real threat is as opposed to a perceived threat. I think it's just an important um, distinction to make. Right. And and that, that's so true. And even uh, can the body tell the difference even between a real scenario in reality in front of us, but also thoughts can make us anxious, you know, thinking the what ifs and what will happen in the future. Um, and I, I really want to get into some some strategies around how people can deal with anxiety. Um, what what are some common worries that you're seeing in your work today? What are people really anxious about? Is there a common theme? I think you kind of touched on it. It's like that what if, right? Like our our mind thinks we we really like we're really good at triggering ourselves and um, kind of making ourselves feel like we're under threat. So there's lots of what ifs especially with the youth that I'm working with, um, you know, being in high school and um, at that age, it's a lot of, what if they don't like me? What if I'm not accepted? What if I fail this? What if I don't get into a university or any of those kinds of social factors? It, it tends to be around social anxiety is what I see the most of. Okay. So this sense yeah. of not being able to belong, what if I'm isolated? What if I don't fit in? Which is mm -hmm. definitely a, well, it's a survival tactic that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. It's why we're right. here today. So it is a legitimate worry, let's say. Um, so, okay, let, let's deal with that scenario right there. Um, right. What are the first steps? Okay, someone's saying, okay, what if I don't fit in? What if I go to university and I don't belong? What what are some steps that you can take with uh, with a client and, and the listeners if this is kind of a worry that we have? What are some steps that we can take to manage this feeling of anxiety? Yeah, and there's so many different ways to go about it, but I, I generally like to start with an awareness. So just to be aware that you're having that thought. Just be aware of it, right? And we want to kind of um, separate it from in different levels of consciousness. So as opposed to being that thought, being the what if I'm not liked or what if I don't fit in, it's just be aware that you're having the thought that you don't fit in. So I usually like to start with awareness to kind of help um, externalize it from yourself as a person. That it, you're not the anxiety and you're not this thought, it's just something that you're having. So that's kind of a good starting point. 
Um, and I, I like to use a lot of tuning into our body um, and the somatic sensations that we have. So when you have that thought, how can you tell you're becoming worried or anxious? Like, what do you notice in your body? So in doing that, we kind of give ourselves, like I use that with myself all the time too, but we kind of give ourselves um, a little bit more control over the sensation. So if you can notice your heart's beating faster and you can notice that you have an ache in your stomach, you start to breathe into that, you start to control the sensation in your body. Um, and then having a little bit more control over it can help because a lot of anxiety is just based around a lack of control, feeling there's no way to navigate it. So that's another way that I might go as well. So I think that it's almost like a mindfulness practice when dealing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Now, the difficult part for me dealing with anxiety too, it's been years and years managing this. Mindfulness has been a, a, a massive and massive tool, very helpful and useful tool. But sometimes I'm like, I, I don't want to go deep. I need a distraction. I, I got to turn off the mm -hmm. TV to just to just erase what I'm feeling and get away from it. Um, would you see this as a short-term solution? Is this a helpful way to cope uh, for, with anxiety? Sometimes, all the time, never? That's so great that you bring that up because that's usually what I get when I start with someone. Um, I think our tendency is to want to get away from it and avoid the anxiety as opposed to just sit with it and be with it. So definitely it comes up all the time. I mean, I think it can be really helpful. Like if, if you're in... Um, like an objectively stressful situation, like, you know, let's say someone that's living in a really unhealthy environment, if that's working for you, there's nothing wrong with it in the short term. However, it's not a long term strategy because if we don't avoid it and we don't feel our feelings, they tend to get stuck and, and bottle up inside of our bodies. Um, and we don't really learn to work with them. So the thing that's nice about, you know, having the feeling actually come up in our sessions or even come up like um, in your everyday life, being at school or with your family, is you learn to practice and work with it um, and just to kind of accept it. So I use a lot of acceptance around anxiety and just kind of almost like have some humor with it. Like, yeah, like I'm, I have a test coming up today. I'm going to be anxious. It's going to be a shitty feeling, um, but I'm okay. Like, you know, just name it as opposed to being like okay what do i do to get rid of this right like you said everyone wants to just get rid of it it's so uncomfortable find a distraction um but it it's still there it doesn't it doesn't move through you if it gets shut on so i i absolutely I don't know if that answers. no i absolutely love that it's it's the the acceptance and there's that acceptance and commitment therapy um i think yes, that's A yes. ACT. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's a, yes, oh, act. That's a that's a huge part. My my follow up question would be like, okay, so that's a great tool to to be mindful, to be aware of the feeling, not to push it down, to maybe have some humor about it, to actually label not only it as just purely anxiety, but what other feelings are coming up, what other thoughts, and to accept mm -hmm. those. What are some things that? Uh, some more things that are really unhelpful. Let's say if you're helping someone dealing with anxious feelings, what are some, you know, what are some ways that aren't really helpful in the moment for them to manage these things? Um, I think it's different for every 
person, I think we all, I mean, just to kind of blanket statement this, I think we're all doing the best we can when the anxiety comes up. And I think I would say probably judging yourself for how you're responding and judging yourself for the anxiety is probably the least helpful because then you're going to get all these other feelings triggered, right? Like I'm not good enough or I can't do anything right or there's something wrong with me or whatever those thoughts and feelings might be. So I would say to just uh, try to reduce the amount of judgment you have on yourself. So if you're sitting in class and you're so anxious about this test, instead of being like, oh my God, look, I, I can't even get rid of this to focus on a test. It's just like, all right, I'm struggling right now to get rid of this anxiety. I'm just going to name that. Like, this is a hard, this is hard for me. I still haven't found a way to cope with it, but that's okay. I'm going to try something different next time. Um, just, you know, bringing in the self-compassion instead of the self-hatred that we're all so good at. <laughs> we're definitely good at that. We're definitely good at yeah. that. Um, so I think this is a perfect example now with, with everything that's going on in the news. And there's a lot we cannot control right now. Um, but then at the same time, there are things we can control within our own environments, within our own bodies. And you said awareness mm -hmm. and everything, noticing these feelings. Uh, with your with your clients, do you take almost a, a cognitive behavioral therapy approach and deal with the thoughts that come up? Um, I integrate a cognitive behavioral therapy approach. I don't stay with it to a T. Um, so acceptance and commitment therapy, I use a lot of that. And that's kind of under the umbrella of cognitive behavioral therapy. So really what I want to do is I like to bring awareness into how our thoughts affect how we feel, which affects how we act. Um, and just kind of bringing and just using like, there's like an old fashioned like CBT triangle where you're, it kind of everything is connected. Um, so I do use that. Um, but I think it, that's kind of the first phase. Like if, if we're talking about therapy or managing anxiety in phases, the first phase is let's get enough awareness so that I can manage this thing in the moment. And then it's going one level deeper, which is what feelings are, is the anxiety trying to cover up? Because anxiety tends to come in to protect us against feelings that we find too threatening to look at. Um, so that would kind of be the next level. So I weave in CBT, but not to, not to a T. Is that, do you, is that why a lot of people are resistant? Maybe again, we can speak for hours on this about m multiple factors, totally. but I think mm -hmm. the therapy, it can be fearful for people, uh, because sometimes you do open up that can of worms and okay. Anxiety is the underlying or the, the label we have the umbrella term, but there may be some very uncomfortable feelings and memories and emotions that may mm -hmm. come up. Um, how do you deal with that that fear and maybe resistance to people opening up? Is it is it a time thing? Is it again more acceptance? How do you how do you welcome clients into a practice to for therapy like that when that may be yeah. a, a worry? Yeah, I think like that's a pretty human fear is to like be exposed and be vulnerable. Um, and the anxiety around that. So I think that the trick is to really stay, and, and this goes for even if you're not accessing therapy, like just, you know, in practical terms, applying it to our everyday lives is really just staying with where you're at, right? Like not judging, goes back to acceptance, not judging where you're at, same with your client, right? Like it might take one person a year to get to the place of wanting to open up or, you know, 
fill that can of worms. Um, and then someone else might, it might not be like that. So they might just come in and just want to share their story. So I think it's just really tuning in to that person. Um, and as well, practically, like it's me out in the world as an anxious person, it's me tuning into myself and not judging where I'm at. And you kind of welcome that all through relationships. So building a healthy, trusting relationship with your client and building that with yourself as well to help with some more congruity and consistency um, in that dynamic is what I would say. It's so hard though, because if I'm anxious, I'm judging myself because the person next to me doesn't seem anxious. Therefore, I'm below or not as good as that person. And there's always this social comparison. And I, I, that's, that's a question I get a lot. And I'd love your take on that. How do we stop comparing ourselves to other people and, and want to be in their mental space and, and think that they are somehow better than we are in the moment of anxiety? That's such a great question. And I, I think there's a few different steps. So first of all, we have to notice, right? So notice that I'm having this thought, notice it, just be aware of it and not to judge it. And then it's giving yourself some perspective. So everybody is concerned about what other people are thinking. It's, it's such a common human experience. Um, and just to kind of like validate that for yourself that First of all, we don't know what someone else is thinking ever. And just because we're having thoughts or they're having thoughts, it doesn't make them true. So I try to like work on um, mantras with clients or myself. So really just like little phrases that I can tell myself to kind of get out of this stuck spiral of anxiety and unhealthy beliefs and unhealthy thinking. So we kind of come up with some ideas. So it might be something like that, like just because I'm having this thought, it doesn't make it true. Um, I'm safe, I'm okay, um, whatever it might be for that person. And then it's to just take it one step further and it just to acknowledge that, you know, kind of like, so what? Like, so what if they're thinking that? I kind of just take this like, so what attitude? Like, okay, they might, so what? Doesn't, it's not gonna change anything, right? And to kind of play that game a little bit with yourself and just to put it into perspective. Um, I love that. That might be how I approach it. Do you do you do any kind of uh, you know what's the worst case scenario if this person is thinking this? Okay, what's the worst thing that could happen if they think that? Mm -hmm. And usually it's like yeah. not much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love I love playing that out with people, especially if they haven't done it before. Um, and then they end up laughing, and they're like, "Oh, like I guess it's not that big of a deal if they don't like what I'm eating for lunch." I'm like. All right. So like, uh, right, there we go. Perspective taking, right? It's, uh, it's not a life or death situation. We have to, we have to uh, turn on our rational thinking when like our anxiety hijacks it, right? So that's one of the ways to do it. We get hijacked by this anxiety story. Um, and we have to find a way to tune into our rational brain. And that's one of the ways that you can do it. Okay, so the rational brain would be bringing logic into a situation, worst case scenario yes. thinking, adding that perspective. Yes. Um, yes. What other tools are into, are there any, I guess, provocative or, or, or questions that we can ask ourselves that kind of tune into this rational, uh, rational brain? Mm -hmm. um, I find curiosity help. Like, 
wow, I, I wonder why I'm so worried about what this person thinks of me. Or I wonder why I'm having, like I'm struggling with anxiety today. And if we're curious, first of all, it gets rid of the judgment because we're not making assumptions. Um, and then it activates our logical brain because it's, it's like you said, it's posing a question. So by being curious, it kind of, and it helps us tune into ourselves to get some answers and create more awareness as well. Ah, curiosity. That's my, that's my favorite word. It's my favorite thing. The willingness to learn. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's definitely helped me, um, a hundred percent and asking those questions. Do you, do you recommend, I know everyone's different. Uh, is journal writing very helpful for anxiety and solving these problems? Do you find some things work better than others? Like do people type on their phones when this stuff comes up or is it better pen and pen, uh, pen and paper? What do you find? Well, it depends like where they where they are because I a lot of people have anxiety like out in the real world and you're not like I'll, I'll tell some clients like why don't you try journaling and they're like I'm not going to whip out a journal and start writing in the middle of like a test. So I'm like sure. So I think it's a really good preventative and proactive strategy to kind of write like if you know tomorrow you're going into an anxious situation for yourself to kind of write it out and and start that process of acceptance now like you know i'm going into a test tomorrow i know sometimes anxiety comes up for me this is my this is how i'm going to deal with it like just to kind of prime yourself for that um mm -hmm. can be helpful and then of course if like it comes up for you in a place that you feel safe writing i think writing is really powerful because it also activates your thinking and logical brain um without ignoring the feelings that come up so it's a nice it's a nice math so we've we've spoken a lot about the the social implications of of when anxiety comes up in self comparison and has been so extremely helpful for me mm -hmm. and and for the listeners definitely. What about those who who become anxious alone? And a big one is uh, people right away they they go to bed they the moment their head hits the pillow that's when the the thoughts start firing and they're like I was tired and now right when there's a bit of quiet in my life, that's when my mind decides to turn on. Thanks a lot, brain. But what would you what would you recommend for for those people who are dealing with anxiety before sleep or in the evening time, even when they're alone? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So that's where you kind of want to balance using distraction tactics with not ignoring what's happening. So I mean, well, first of all, I think a lot of the reason why anxiety comes out at night is our there's finally quiet and there's finally a time for us to reflect on our day. And if we, if we've avoided our anxiety all day long, then it's going to kind of like show up and say hi, like just before we go to bed. Right. So, you know, we're starting to work through it during the day and being aware of it would probably be a, a good step, but for us still struggling with um, our mind spinning before we go to bed, uh, it's really important to come up with a healthy sleep hygiene routine. Um, and I think now with everything going on would be a really great time to practice that because there's so much technology that we're using and so much stimulation for our brains without uh, interacting with people. So just to start, you know, turning your phone off a certain time before bed, uh, maybe listening to a guided meditation, practicing some deep breathing, like not having the quiet start when you're trying to go to bed because that's when we run into problems. So start going to bed an hour before you're going to start going to bed um, to give your brain that chance to kind of unwind 
So I find breathing really helpful. Just like simple three breaths in, hold for three, three breaths out and just practicing that. Um, and again, like not judging, like, so what? And the so what thing, like, so what if I don't fall asleep? Right? Right, right. I might be a little tired tomorrow and like, and then I'll have a better sleep the next night. So it's kind of just not judging for not being able to fall asleep. Um, and yeah, and, and doing something that feels good for you. So not being like, oh, I can't go to sleep anyways. I'm just going to, you know, work on this or I'm just going to, you know, go back on Instagram. Um, really like giving yourself permission to work through that and, and find a way to fall asleep just with you. I think the the other thing, especially during this time, is people's homes are now their workspaces for mm-hmm. those in the workforce. Um, and, and one thing that I used to do and learned the hard ways, I used to work in bed. It's like people think this is some kind of luxury, of course. You bring your laptop in bed, but then your bed becomes your office. And when it's time to go to bed, you have this association between work and sleep. Um, what would your recommendations be for people working from home? Yeah, and I get it because I have a few days that I'm working from home too. Um, I've actually created my own workspace. And and this can literally be done any size apartment, any size place you have. Just something that says this is where I work and this is where I go to sleep. So I've just carved out a little space on my desk that feels safe and comfortable and you know, work related with like a lamp and just kind of you make it your own. Um, and then I close that face off when I'm done. So you kind of have to self structure. Um, if all you have is like a space next to your bed, like sometimes I like working on the floor. I just, you know, get some movement in stretching on the floor while I'm working. Um, but make a space that's yours. And I've had some clients that have found that really helpful, especially with starting the virtual school. Um, they kind yes. of spent the weekend working on their space and like we're excited about that and we're able to kind of uh, differentiate home and sleep and, you know, play from um, working. Right. And and as far as um, other other tools, so we went through a lot. Is there, yeah. you know, I don't want to get too deep into medication and things like that, but as far mm-hmm. as uh, very safe tools um for dealing with anxiety um do you find anything helpful uh for those like essential oils something like that Mm -hmm. anything you recommend yeah so um i like to kind of do a trial and error like your own experiment of what works for you so there's like hundreds and hundreds of like things that you can find online um i actually really like pinterest they have a lot of great like 100 strategies to reduce anxiety so I kind of like to make a toolbox with people um, and you can kind of put in your toolbox what works for you. Because, for example, I, I personally love essential oils. I find them very relaxing. Other people are like, I can't stand the smell. This actually makes me more anxious. So <laughs> I'm like, OK, that's great information for me. Um, but it's just it's a trial and error. So just kind of going through the list, finding things that work for you. Um, I would say number one, though, which I've found across the board has helped people is uh, finding things you can control when you feel out of control. So making a routine, making a schedule, um, kind of being accountable to yourself. Because when we don't feel we have control, then our anxiety starts to control us. It kind of goes out of, it goes crazy. Mm. Um, If you're already like predisposed to having a lot of anxiety. So writing things out, 
using different colors, like what, whatever it worked for you to get yourself in a little bit of order. So there's that piece. And then there's like the strategies that help to kind of down, you know, keep you a little bit calmer when anxiety starts to come up. Right. I think it would be really helpful um, and I'm sure this will be well received is perhaps in the future, um, people can ask questions about anxiety and we could do a part two. Until then, um, you have the microphone for any resources you'd like to plug or, or anything else you'd like to say for, for listeners who might be dealing with anxiety in the moment right now while listening. Uh, the floor is yours. Sure. So just, you know, I think during this time, especially like, we're all anxious about learning a new skill, right? Like when, when we're in a situation, we start to feel anxiety. It might be because it's unfamiliar and, and unfamiliarity is very anxiety provoking for a lot of us. So if we are gonna, if we are taking the, you know, coronavirus as an example, I think we're all trying to navigate something new and human beings are really good at adapting. It just takes some time. So I would say just be patient and not to judge yourself. Um, Try to find some ways for some self-compassion and, you know, being kind to yourself. And sometimes that can help calm our anxiety. And yeah, and, and if you feel like you're in panic and it's kind of too late and everything is too far gone, because sometimes strategies don't work when we're actually in that state of panic, um, just, you know, find ways to take your focus away from the anxiety and onto something that you have some control over. So. Some people find fidget toys really helpful or things with different textures. Um, there, I will show a, well, I'm not sure if this will be seen or not, but there's different holding techniques we can do. So like a butterfly hug just to help ground our nervous system is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Just taking a hand on either side and pushing down. Um, there's this hold as well, which can help to calm our system. So one hand on the chest and one hand mm -hmm. on the top of your head. Um, and just finding different ways to breathe, like breathing is so important. It, it reminds our body that we're not in danger. So when we can take a deep breath, our body goes, okay, we're not actually in danger. I'm okay. Um, and you can tell that to yourself too. I'm not in danger. I'm okay. So I'd probably leave it with that as a starting point. And yeah. That's amazing. Avalon, thank you so much for your time, for your insight, for you sharing uh, your wealth of experience. We all appreciate it, obviously myself included. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Depression to Expression podcast with Avalon. Please feel free to reach out. All the links are in the description below. If you have any questions, scott at depressiontoexpression.com. Stay strong. Keep being you. Remember to breathe and express yourself.